0: Welcome to the Clan Mackenzie podcast. Glad to have you with us again for the Clan McKenzie podcast. We're very happy this week. We've got with us Stuart McKenzie, and he's coming to us from Scotland. Welcome, Stuart.
1: Thank you very much. Lovely to be with you.
0: So we've heard a little bit of, from you in the past. Um, you know, uh, in the news, there's been a lot of talk about the things going on in the U- in uh, Ukraine and with regards to the Russian invasion. And your name has been one that's been floated out there in in different interviews because you were affected uh, very much so by this invasion.
1: Yes, I think I think also uh, I, because I've been living there twenty eight years, um, I'm, I'm one of the oldest sort of expats, certainly Scottish or, U- or UK based expats in the, in Ukraine. So yeah, a lot of uh, media outlets got hold of me for from my experience over living there so many, so many years.
0: So if you don't mind, uh, some of our audience may not be aware of, uh, of who you are and what you've, what you've been doing, but would you mind just telling us a little bit about what your business is?
1: Well, yeah, well, it, it, well, 20 years ago when I moved to Ukraine, it, it was all about, uh, you know, my partner, another Scottish gentleman called Robert McNeil, and I traveled around, uh, Europe. Looking at Eastern Europe when the wall came down in eighty nine, and really just looking for entrepreneurial business opportunities, it was over three hundred million people, and uh, and there was a huge business opportunity. So we travelled and looked at, went to Moscow and Prague and Budapest and all these places, and Kiev that we we loved, we 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 really fell in love with, with Ukraine. We felt it's, a lot of people were running to Moscow, but uh, Kiev was more of a edinburgh glasgow kind of place it was more friendly it was it was less but still 52 million people in ukraine so it was still a huge opportunity but it was a, a more friendlier place um, to do business we felt and uh we found a great partner there and we started importing uh various uh, products from from scotland many of them were from walker shortbread to whiskies to uh, oat cakes and all this kind of stuff, and. Uh, We partnered with a guy called Tony Johnston, who was uh, running Peckham's, and J.W. Monroe. Peckham's was a very popular retailer in Glasgow, Edinburgh, good delicatessen. And uh, we just filled mixed containers of goods and shipped them into Ukraine uh, just to fill the pipeline and see what what was biting. And uh, so we found a partner that we could uh, do the distribution. We found a partner that we could find the supply, and then we started to import and uh, and promote these types of products.
0: What kind of products uh, of Scotland were doing well in the Ukraine?
1: Well, you know, well whiskey always does well, Absolutely. right? And uh, uh, we started to bring in, you know, any any sort of products. I remember uh we even brought in scottish gins and and uh uh you know um, as i said shortbreads all the walkers range and uh <laughs> from confectionery biscuits uh, any sort of fmcg type product ah. that tony had in his warehouse it didn't wasn't you know so um, and that gave us a, at least a, something to start with to understand the market because there was nothing there was no research to go to, right? You didn't go to. There was no research in the Soviet time, and this was a whole new new playing ground. Yeah. So we just had to just bring in. It was obviously quite a, a, a poor country, um, but there was still huge demand for for Western type products, yeah. even if they could buy it once a month. You know, they, you know, there's still enough people to make it interesting. Yeah. But a lot of it was still open market. It was still the volume was going through low cost products yeah. um but you, you know there was still high demand for for others and that's what happened was the other multinational companies started to see what we were doing with our products in terms of merchandising brand building research um you know um, promotions education and because we all used to meet in the same bar because there wasn't so many bars in kiev so you met all the guys from nestle and Philip Morris and Procter & Gamble. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was only two bars that had a toilet seat, and that's why we all went to the same bar. And you, you, you had to pay like two, three cents to get in the toilet. So, you know, occasionally we'd all just give the guy, the old guy at the door a few dollars and just announce to the bar that everybody can go to the toilet on me tonight, and wow. then let the old guy go home. But uh, they became your friends, and then you start. Then what happened was we started to work for the multinationals. The multinationals started, said, "Can you do it for us? Can you do it for us?" So our marketing department of our importation company really became a standalone, you know, business unit, and it became our cash cow at the, at the end, where we had over three thousand people working for, you know, Philip Morris, Nestle's, um, Henkel's, Procter and Gamble's, you know, all these big companies. And uh, and from that, you know, we developed uh, a good business that allowed us to then later on in life, get involved in property development and bars and nightclubs and different other things that we got involved in. Interesting.
0: So, yeah, I hadn't thought of that with regards to sort of being an early pioneer as far as research for the Ukraine at that point in time. That's amazing.
1: There was nothing. I mean, no one knew, you know, people had assumptions, but assumptions of ten a penny. You know, you really had to learn as you go. Yeah. So
0: what are you, so now? You're talking about that early on. Where are you at now with regards to business? You're not importing um, those goods anymore. You're not sharing Walker Shortbread anymore.
1: No, I got out of the FMCG business and and, and yeah, that the, the 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 marketing, sales, distribution business and, and and my other. I actually sold everything to my partner about three years ago. The, okay. the same partner, Robert. Still, my very, very dear friend, because I wanted to change and I wanted to to do something a bit different. And I went, I found the the hemp cannabis industry, and someone really explained it to me actually what it was really all about. And I, I was fascinated with it, and I decided this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was a thing that would take me international, it was a thing that it was pioneering. It was uh, great for the planet. It was uh, ticking all the boxes about where the future is going. And then none of the big multinationals were in this space yet. So there was a great chance of building a brand and building companies. So yeah, that's when I, uh, six years ago, started to get involved in, in cannabis, hemp, marijuana. And of course I laughed as soon as the guy told me first time as many people did six, seven years ago. Um, but now people don't laugh. Now people are, are understanding a bit more, especially in the States, you guys, and, and Europe, but, but, you know, a bit less, but still people are, are not thinking all the time of hippies and, and smoking joints. They understand that uh, there's a medicinal, and uh, but there's also a, a very huge area of... Uh, Industrial uses that we can use it for clothes or superfoods yeah. or carbons or bioplastics etc. It's the most resourceful plant in the world, yeah. and so that's what fascinated me about it, and uh, and got me involved. I started in the CBD business, as part of the of the plant. One, it was an easier entrance; it was a you know a bit more you know, cost effective to get into it, and uh, but it was still a huge market. And that so six years ago. I actually moved to Florida and I uh, started to import CBD into America. Mm. And uh, that went very well. I sold all the CBD there and then immediately opened up two facilities, one in California and one in uh, one, THC facility in California and a CBD facility in Poland. And, uh, of course, the California business service is just the California market, but the CBD business in Poland sells now to over 30 countries around the world.
0: And what's the name of that company?
1: It's a company called Riakido. and Ria we wanted to change the world. We want to change the world. If we want to change the world. We want to speak to the world. If we're going to speak to the people and educate people, we need to speak to them in a common language. The common language of the world, if you know, or if you remember, is Esperanto. Esperanto is the language of the world. So Riakido means recovery, renew, reborn, rejuvenate. And that's what, what we have, the, the name Ria Kiro. So we, we also build houses from hemp uh, just okay. now. We, we built over 100 houses insulated by hemp um, in Ukraine. And now we're in Scotland. I'm actually in Scotland at the moment, but we're also in talks with with, with people in the States. And, and well, other how, how, how does that like go? America.
0: How do you build a house with hemp?
1: Well, hemp's quite, uh, not like the marijuana plant that many people sort of envisions, which is a small sort of bushy Christmas tree. Hemp's a very long, eight foot tall, thin uh, plant. So when you take all the leaves and and, and flowers off that, you're left with a huge long stalk. And when you crush that down and you mix it with lime and additive, you actually can make, many, many products from from this. It's the most resourceful plant in the world. And uh, so we we, we take that stock. So basically what we're doing is building houses from the field next door, right? We're not shipping it across the world. It's about local employment, supporting local farmers, and supporting local construction and making it healthy because you you capture CO2, you're cleaning and adding added to the soil, so your soil's getting richer, and you're living in a healthier environment. And it's more cost effective. If anything shown us by this epidemic, you know where the cost now of shipping goods across the world has been astronomical mm-hmm. and will continue to grow. That it's not work, something that was at three thousand. Dollar cost to ship to X to Y is now going twelve, thirteen thousand dollars. Wow! You know, you can't keep that. It's not sustainable. So let's get back back home and find solutions where we can we can build a, and and give solutions for a problem that every country in the world has, which is low cost, energy efficient, sustainable housing
0: wow that's amazing that's great i i was not aware of that part of it i've done a little bit of, of research on uh, rick Hero, and i guess i hadn't come across any of that information with regards to um, you know helping the local communities with building homes for them i mean that's a brilliant idea i know that even in our country uh, going far back just the colonial times a couple hundred years ago they're writing you know like you're talking about hemp being such a useful um plant you know i guess they used to write on hemp Hemp was the paper it wasn't wood and trees it was hemp. well,
1: well- yeah, the, the the it wasn't the Constitution, but the, the the thing the paper used to do the draft con- Constitution of America was written on hemp paper. Yeah. You know, the the first flag of America was 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 hemp. Yeah. Uh, George the, the the King of England, George the was fining farmers in England who didn't grow hemp because he needed to build the English fleet and the you know to sails and ropes etc. So, yes, it's been used for you know thousands of years. Um, but we got rid of it, we demonized it, and now we took out the food chain, and people now are deficient in cannabinoids, so now we can reintroduce that, and because the animals are not eating hemp, um, etc. But we could maybe because of Rio Keto, you didn't see our other company, which is called Hempire. Yeah, Hempire is 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 the company that we use for construction and and uh, industrial applications of, of hemp and wow. cannabis plant
0: okay well make sure i'll put that in the show notes so people can read about that and learn about that a little bit more as like i said i wasn't aware of that but it's amazing i uh, are glad to learn about that um so you you were from you said you're you're in scotland now you originally from edinburgh is that correct
1: that's correct yes and
0: so then you made the journey to ukraine you kind of deal back and forth a little bit with scotland what is it about is there any similarities in the ukraine and in scotland for yourself do you see any similarities in the in the geography
1: just that they're both lovely people you know? <laughs>
0: okay not even they're close lovely
1: huh? people. you know well there's a lovely country uh with a big neighbor next to it and uh so no it's uh humor you know they've got great humor ukrainians they've got uh, a great tradition of family and traditions. I think traditions also, mm-hmm. you know, we, I, I've hosted the uh, Burns Nights. I'm, I'm a founder of the Kiev Lions Club um, and a two-time president. And we we mm-hmm. have been running Burns Nights for 21 years in Kiev. And they became the number one event in Kiev to go to. Wow. We had over 700 people attending and I had to cut it down because people were complaining that it got too big, you know, that you couldn't see all your friends anymore, you know, it got too impersonal. And so I brought it back down to 450. Um, But I brought lots of entertainers over from Scotland. Um, And uh, my stepfather, my mother actually remarried and married a Scottish entertainer called Jimmy Logan. Jimmy Logan was a very famous uh, Scottish entertainer uh, in the family. And he's, he's got a sister, Annie Ross. Who's a he's a big uh, jazz singer who unfortunately passed away. Uh, lived in New York for almost most of her life. Um, and yeah, we brought people like Johnny B T, uh, Doogie Donnelly, and there's many Scottish entertainers that we brought over during the years, and they've absolutely loved it. And then the Ukrainians have loved it back. So then I also started another event called the Cossack Night, which was like almost like a Burns Night, but for, for Ukraine. And uh, we did that during the summer. So in the winter, we could do Burns night. In the summer, we could have the horses riding on the fields. And, and we raised, you know, millions and millions of of, uh, of dollars and euros uh, doing these events over the years. And it really brought the communities together also, and all international communities together.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing um, keeping your traditions alive. Uh, some people don't see the value in it, but certainly here on the Clan McKenzie podcast, we're advocating that. We're glad to hear that you're doing that uh, with Burns Night over there. That's that's pretty cool. Um, I guess something else I was kind of interested in, in, in uh, doing some research on yourself and the situation that was going on, your business, is it actually your, uh, the hero that's based in Poland now?
1: It always, yeah, Rikiro was always based in Poland. It was a Polish company. We're not allowed to do CBD extraction in Ukraine. Yeah. So we could do it in Poland. Plus, I wanted, as as a European company, it's just easier, as I knew as I was expanding the company to get finance and things like that from a European company rather than from Ukraine. However, I loved living in Ukraine, and and I had a great experience in Ukraine. So I built a back-end staff to our business in Ukraine of about 20 staff, from doing our accounts, doing our designs, doing our our sales analysis, our marketing, our online shop, etc. So it was a very cost-effective base to have in Kiev of people that I knew personally, and I just picked the best yeah. that I knew and built this beautiful team of people cool. that also wanted to do and saw the vision that we had to change the world and to really take this internationally. And uh, so, so, yeah, that's why we kept an office there. And uh, as I said, you know, the same cost, never mind the quality of the team, but this is, would be three, four times more if I had him in the UK. And uh, so, no, but I liked Ukraine. I'm married to a Ukrainian. I've been married 25 years. Oh, I've got Yeah, I've got two children uh, in, well, two children with us now in Poland. My daughter is in Miami University, is at University of Miami, studying okay. to be a doctor there. And um, so, yeah, but as the war came and uh, everybody had to evacuate if they could, uh, we could take all the women and children. Out. I could leave as a foreigner uh, and, and a couple of other partners and foreigners we had in the office. But some of the local men, of course, had to stay and, and the local women had to leave, but leave their husbands and fathers behind.
0: Yeah, I was listening to one particular interview, I think it was about five months ago. And it was your goal at the time to stay as long as you could. You had packed the car up and you guys were like, we can't leave. We're going to stay. And it yeah, changed yeah. kind of quickly, didn't they?
1: Well, we we agreed we would stay. We, everybody, you know, you know, who, who wants to leave, you know? And, and uh, you know, uh, there's so many things that goes through your head the months and months before, the, you know, you hear the sound of a bomb. Um, but my wife and I decided, okay, we wouldn't leave unless... The lives of the children, unless the children's lives were on threat, then that would be the time to leave. And I think most people took that decision. That's why immediately after we just saw the tsunami of refugees, there were all women and children. Well, they were all men, women and children. And then after 24 hours, you know, they stopped letting men out the border. Mm. And it was women and women and children only. And um so yeah, a lot of people too they say, oh, at least at least went to safer locations and in quieter villages or you know, mountain areas of the country.
0: Yeah, you know. Are you still keeping up these I assume you still have family and friends over there? how are things going in Kiev right now? It's kind of interesting. <laughs> at least over here, um it seems like we had news every day on all the programs. There's updates, all this stuff, and then it's just slowly <laughs> It's kind of it's not gotten quiet. You can still find stuff, but it's not as prominent in the news uh, in the United
1: States. I and, know. And also in the UK. I've been in the UK for the last couple of weeks. Everybody's saying the same thing, and of course, I can see it. I mean, my my news sort of channels take me to the Ukrainian news because I'm subscribed to so many things. Yeah. Um, but certainly, yeah, you're absolutely right. The ordinary guy going just sitting down in the evening. Putting on the local news is not seeing it so much, um, and you know I can understand that. You don't want to see the same news every day and depressing and killing every day. I get that, and and um, but but but, st- but things are, are still as desperate and as, as they ever were. You know, it's still a very intensive fighting there. Um, living, I think your specific question was of Kiev. Yes. You know, three quarters of the people have moved back there. Um, people, yeah. Um, oh, wow. but 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 the the twenty five percent missing are, are women and children. You know, there's a lot of oh, yeah. women, women with children. I would say, right? Yeah. So there's some women there, but maybe they've got no children, or the children are growing up. So you're seeing that's what you're missing. You're not seeing children anywhere, or or young, you know, mothers anywhere. And it, someone described it like, well, it's like seeing, it's like seeing your city, but in black and white. You know, it's, a, it's it's the same, but it's very different. And there's not people, you know, doing business. There's very little, there's, who, who's investing? No one's investing right now. No one's saying, right, let's build, you know, it's a different type of, people are trying, the cafes are trying, but, you know, you, you need the whole economy to, to to lift up. And it's, although people are there, God bless them trying uh, to do that, it's very, very difficult, right? And there's some big decisions now being made by the mother, mothers and children who are abroad. Um, and i I went through exactly the same thing as okay, we left in, in in February, the 24th, you know, with bombs coming down in Kiev. And um, and then we had March, April, May, the kids were online as usual. It was like, okay, it's another, it was almost like going through COVID again. Yeah. And then there was the summer period. I mean, everybody's hoping and praying that this thing's over and you know that uh, we could all go back. But then we realized, okay, it's not. This is going to take longer and longer. So then everybody who's in my situation, who have got children that are outside Ukraine, are now going to have to find schools for the next year. Now, the schools in all these places are busy, and you can't get in them, so then you need to move to different locations again to find schools that actually can accommodate your children. And we had to move from Krakow to another city to be closer to the school fortunately for us it was also very close to our office so it was a good fit for us sure. but as a, we, we are the very fortunate ones um you know and then you have got to make longer term decisions then you're going to say well my kid's going to be here for 12 months i can't keep pulling them out every year and even if the war stopped in three months time it's not as though the school would be open immediately and changes right? everything
0: right it's gotta it's gotta change everything
1: Right. So then you're going to make a longer term decision. It's not just like staying in someone's house and very kindly that someone's offered to stay in the bedroom for a month or two. Then you're going to try and find, you know, longer term accommodation, jobs, things like that. But, you know, if you're single, single mum, with the with the kid in a foreign, you know, and your, your husband can't earn money because there's no commerce going on. And you know, he might even be in the army, and there's no real money there, and the money he's getting paid is in grievance, the local currency, which is not giving anybody strong purchase power when you start heading into Europe. Right? right? So it's a it's a very difficult situation. That's why you know we, we you know we help as much as possible we can to you know for food and items and there's you know all via there's there's, you know the horrors of war are are disgusting but it also brings out the most beautiful humanity that you'll ever see and you could uh, break down in tears every day by the things people do and and what they do to help yeah that's um
0: like you said i i can have somewhat empathy for you i've never experienced that so i you know we can watch it on the TV and we can hear the stories and we can do what we can to help uh, from afar, but to actually be there on the ground and experience that and see that in real life, I'm sure it just changes your whole perspective on um, those situations with everybody.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, it, it, it's, if it happened with you, I mean, I wouldn't have the same. I mean, Again, it's where we all are. It's, it's we all get knocks in our lives, right, and things sure. that happen from so. And you just got to pick yourself. You know, I think the saddest thing is is just that It's always in in these times. It's always the most vulnerable that that, that suffer the most. It's the, the old pensioners that can't move from their houses and they need the medicines that, you know, they shouldn't be ending their lives like this. You know, under under war, they shouldn't be, you know, it's and and it's and the orphans and the children and. That's just the saddest, saddest thing to see. But and it's and it's not like you know, and I can appreciate you yourself saying people can send help and say, Hey, I'll donate a hundred dollars, $1, a thousand, whatever. But it's which is great. And but it's how do we have that money every, every you know, they don't eat once in the month, eat every day and three times a day. And and we need to keep that momentum going by keeping it top of mind for people. And then we're also in a world. You know, crisis where everybody' cost of living is going up, right? <laughs> and uh, and everybody's got other priorities. So you know, it's not like you know, you know. But as long as we make people aware, and uh, and you know, we'll try the best we can.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do the best you can with what you have. And um, it seems to me like you're staying very positive despite a very difficult situation. I know you got a a great business and and so on. But still, it's got to be tremendously difficult in your family to make those kind of moves and those kind of adjustments. It's not easy on anybody to do that, especially in these circumstances.
1: No, I mean, you know, I say the facade is is looking positive, but there's a very thin facade there, you know.
0: Well can we go, we'll go back a little bit and talk more about uh, your brand a little bit uh, with regards to the CBD, I guess. Um, I think it's, it's fascinating. You know, there's a lot of products in that line. I don't know. It sounds like the regulations are kind of funny in the United States with regards to, you know, how it's governed, so to speak, that, that uh, particular line, but the reviews on your product, they're very strong. You know, I, I've read a number of things where people talk about the, um, even just the color, the very color of, of the CBD is important sometimes, or what you actually see in in the product in comparison to maybe a lesser brand or brand that's not doing it correctly. Uh, what's sort of your uh, idea on 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 your transparency that you're putting forth with your products?
1: Yeah, my staff must be rating it very well. Then that's very really good to do. <laughs> uh, good. No, but yeah, uh, one of the reasons I lo- I love the business, and I think getting into the business for the right reasons is to is to help people, right? Is to have that these letters coming back saying, thank you very much. Uh, I, I've never slept so well in 20 years and, you know, things like this. And and just, you know, and much, much bigger items from cancers all the way to, you know, um, you know, uh, many different diseases that people have written. And, and you sleep very well at night and you, and it gives everybody enthusiasm about going going forward and developing new products and, and just trying to get better and better. Um but yeah, there's always some charlatans out there that we're always worried about, that people, you know, they they, 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 they don't put any CBD in it, or they call it whatever, and uh, and then ultimately people try it, it doesn't work, and then they don't believe in CBD, or they don't, you know, believe in... It. But it's also such a very shame that there's people like that, because, you know, you could be getting people that are very, very sick, and if they had the right product, it could be getting better. And because they're taking a product that they they thought was actually CBD that isn't, Um, you know, they're they're, they're losing months and months of their lives where they could have uh, enjoyed. So it's a very serious issue that you get like that. Now, that's why we need some regulation, right? That's why, you know, we we should stop that. Um, And that's why building a brand, being transparent, education, Saying well, if you're going to buy CBD, make sure that you do the, see the reviews, or that you can see you know what's in the product by different codes, and you can see this the the certificates of analysis, and you've done all that. Don't just buy because hey, someone says CBD ninety nine percent and it's one ninety nine, right? It's not you know be, be better than that. And um, but when you get it right. And you, that's, that's how ultimately you build a brand. It's not, I can't build a brand, right? I can't, what happens is the consumer builds the brand for me. The consumer will buy from me. The consumer will tell me what they think, right? The consumer will tell me, I might tell them what, I, I might put out there what I want or, or what I would like to think, but ultimately the consumer is going to review it and say the realities and they'll, they'll tell me, um, you know, what my brand is all about to them. Right, what it means for them. And, uh, and but, but you start obviously with a product you believe can help, right? And that will continue to help. Because that, that's when people get CBD, they they have this eureka moment. Oh, it works for me. Oh, I'm going to give it to my uncle or my brother or my sister, and someone gives it next door. That's why it's a multi billion dollar business, not because, you know, Henkel or Procter or somebody has spent tens of millions of dollars advertising it is not it's small small companies that have uh, given it from grassroots up and because it's worked right and if it didn't work there wouldn't be an industry right now right it just wouldn't be so but that was about innovation it's about science it's about many things when you actually go deeper into cbd the, and they're breaking down all the cannabinoids and they can show your profile. You have CBD in your body right now. You've got cannabinoids in your body. That's why CBD is good because it's not a foreign sub object to you. So side effects are virtually zero, if zero. So, um, but they can do individual profiles on you to, to give you maximum, uh, you know, effect and help. See that's I guess I'll have to do some more research into that
0: myself. I'm not I'm not aware of all those details that you're bringing out, but I do know that um, I've had an experience like you're talking about with regards to uh, handing off to somebody uh, a product that I thought was going to be better than what it was, and the effects were zero, and they just wrote it off at that point. So again, it's the importance of. Getting, some, getting something that's of good quality that they're able to see that there's a benefit actually to it. And it's an old old benefit. It's like you said before, it's, just, it's an old product. People are sick of taking medicine and it's going to mess up your stomach or make you sick, give you some other side effect when you can have something natural that's going to take care of you.
1: Well, that's ultimately, I mean, the, the opioid epidemic that's going through is just, you know, you go in because you're 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 depressed and then you take a pill and you go overweight then you need this tablet then you need that tablet then you need then you get obese then you need this and it just goes on like this it's a pill culture and uh well, this is where at least with cbd because you have a endocannabinoid system it's not a foreign so you don't have any side effects fascinating right? that's what's nice right yeah. and um and and yeah so that's why it's continued to grow fascinating
0: what's well, great i appreciate you being on here let's uh as we sort of wind down here um this is sort of us this is i'm an american but it's sort of a scottish podcast and we talk about all things and Mackenzie particularly and you're a mckenzie i've seen some pictures where you're wearing a mckenzie scarf or uh some kind of a, a hoodie or something like that uh, are you a kilt man Oh, 100%. <laughs> All right. So, what's your? What's I, your I, t- th-
1: t- I think I've got six kilts. Six fact. kilts.
0: Okay. So, what's yeah, your tartan? What do you like to wear? Are you a modern, you're a weathered, you're a ancient?
1: I've got several kilts. I've got from black to the evening dress to the night, uh, to the black night watch, or what it's called, to the Mackenzie traditional, Mackenzie evening. Um, I've got quite a few because over the twenty-one years of doing Burns nights, yeah, uh, I've done. I've, I've, there's actually now a Ukrainian Scottish tartan. Oh, uh, they've just, uh, just, just patented. So uh, I'll, I'll probably get you one did of this? Them. You did this? No, I. You know, I did it myself a long time ago. I just didn't bother patenting it. Okay. We did a Ukrainian evening, and I I got someone to make one, but this one now is has is, is been patented as the Scottish ukrainian tartan but uh so i'll probably get one of those next as well but no i'm definitely wearing kilts i wear yeah i do put them on as much as uh, as the evenings uh, and occasions allow all right very cool you probably stand
0: out there in the ukraine or in uh, poland when you're walking in your in your highland gear
1: yeah, but, but, you know, it brings a smile to everybody's face. Everybody's very, very positive. Very. I'm also putting my friends non-Scots in kilts, and uh, they love it. You know, I'm, I'm very much into. Oh, you know, people saying you can't wear a kilt if you're not Scottish. I'm very much the opposite. Get yourself in a kilt. Get yourself out there and enjoy yourself.
0: Absolutely. And,
1: uh, and when they do, it's it's something that they remember all their lives, and they would have nothing but a good time and. uh, yeah there's you know you get lots of good photographs and memories from that you know so so no definitely it's uh it's a it's a great it's a great you know tradition that scotland's got that uh, that they should be proud of and uh yeah and people love around the world
0: cool all right so what's what's in your decanter we talked a little bit about uh you importing and exporting a little bit of some whiskey what's
1: in your decanter now what do you like Right, the is always empty. If the bottle's <laughs> out, it's always gone, I think the yeah you don't. Whiskey's there to to be drunk, not to be shown, right? Very good, very good. Know, uh, yeah, you know I don't, I it uh, But you know, there's there's some great whiskies. Uh, I always get asked this is a big question because Scottish, of course, what's the best whiskey there is and uh, and stuff. Like should you put water in your whiskey or ice in your whiskey and all this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I get asked a lot. And I go to Different whiskey connoisseurs' evenings and things like this, and put the kilt on and bring some haggis along and toast All the right. haggis and do some <laughs> other stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, you know, I always say the best whiskey is the one that you're going to buy me next because that's going to be even more sweet to the taste. I'm trying right. to be a mean Scotsman, you know, and uh, a tight Scotsman. But uh, yeah, listen, the whiskeys I, I I heard anyway from the from the evening the guys in the whiskey industry. They they're even split how you should drink whiskey whether it should be with ice or no ice or with water or no water. Yeah. I, the, the argument, of course, is the purist or maybe the, they call them so purist is don't touch it. It's been there so many years. Some malt whiskey, have water on the side and drink, sip and do you know wash your mouth and 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 it works. It's perfectly fine yep. and there's no issue. However, there is also other guy saying, listen, if you like ice in it, put ice in it and you drink it the way you like to drink it. Yeah. You know, and why would you drink it if you don't like it that way? You know, it's probably just less sales, it's probably more yeah. sales managers that believe in that than maybe the purest.
0: Yeah, if you want to but, drink it wrong, yeah. go ahead.
1: Yeah, Oh well, yeah, I mean, but you know, yeah, but I mean, I mean, put a 25 year old malt and put ice in it, right? That's just if you listen, if you can afford it that way, then then, then go for it and be you know crazy. But you know, there's, there'll be different whiskeys you would, you would do that with. Yeah, so I was at the uh a whiskey distillery there it was the oldest in Scotland oldest working distillery in Scotland. And so you're always buying buying uh, gifts when you come back and uh, it's always a, a great gift to, to to give to anybody around the world. In fact, you know there was a there was a a story I'll tell you quickly, and um it was it was Jimmy Logan, who was my stepfather, who had had uh he was a comedian entertainer in Scotland and he, he went to see his relatives in France every year. And He always used to bring some whiskey. But the French, they were French people, but they said, Jimmy, when you bring the whiskey, our water is very, you know, minerally, it doesn't go well with the whiskey. Could you bring some some Scottish water with you next time you come over? So the next year, he brought water with him. And they went, oh, my God, it's so much better with the clean water and stuff like this. And they said, this is great. So Jimmy went to the bank and said, hey, and this was going back 70s, right? Before anybody bottled water. Okay. And he said, and he went to the bank, and he said to, to the bank manager, "Listen, I've got an idea. We're going to put water in bottles and uh, sell it to France and around the world because it goes well with whiskey." And, yeah. And because uh, the bank manager laughed at him, he said, "Why would you ever, ever bottle something you can get out of the tap?" And uh, and Jimmy was 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 angry and furious that he couldn't get the guys to do it, so he dropped the idea. But because he was an entertainer, the newspapers got hold of it, and it was on the front page, saying only a comedian would ever bottle water. Oh ho ho! And now look at the trillion-dollar business it is today. Uh-huh. You know? But uh, that was all because some French guy said about the whiskey and the water complementing each other. Yeah, and um but yeah. fascinating
0: to that story. Um, not very long ago, there was a company that came out. They started bottling water from Loch Ness, and it was called Loch Ness water. I, I assume they're still around, but they were selling little bottles that you could get in hotels or whatever, specifically just clean and clear as could be, just for your whiskey. You could just add a little bit in there, and did it have a little monster in the of each bottle? Maybe <laughs> Well, they said it's the water that Nessie maybe maybe swam in.
1: <laughs> so well, you also pees in it as well, right? So. Uh... <laughs> Well, that's yeah, a good you balance. You market, market it the way you want to. Yeah, you um, but, but Loch Ness is a really, really deep lock. You know, it's very deep. And uh, But there you go. There's marketing. I also had someone, and it was on TV, and there was no word of a lie about it. it was, I saw them do it, but they were bottling air, you know, air from the Highlands and selling it <laughs> in Japan right we're very you know i mean come on you know but people will buy anything right people will always surprise you <laughs> there's always one nutter out there that will buy your product oh my goodness all right well
0: real fast before we lose you here i'm gonna i'm gonna push you i'm gonna make you answer the question what's your whiskey are you an Isla guy you a highland guy What, what, what do you like uh are you a bourbon guy?
1: My my go-to's are McAllen. I love McAllen, of course. Right. But yeah, McAllen's my boy. I know I know the guys that run McAllen as well. Okay called Stuart Castles. He runs okay. the McAllen house up north. But yeah, that's a uh, superb. But there's so many good ones. Well, that's not to see. See yeah, uh, you're love, I love them all the different ones. All right. You're a McKenzie, yeah. so you
0: should like Dalmore.
1: Well, Dalmore, yeah, I mean, as I said, it's not a bad one, but uh, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't realize, but Dal- Dalmore's oh, oh, it's from the region of Mackenzie, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. Right. right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I went. I went to. I went to the. I did a cruise of the Inner Hebrides one time. When the, it was called the Royal Princess, if I remember, it was the boat that Queen Queen Elizabeth took on her fifty or sixtieth birthday. Oh yeah. And, uh, it was a lovely, very nice boat, and uh, we stopped off at the Mackenzie Castle and and all the rest. It was quite interesting going down to the local pub. And seeing everybody look like me, like yourself. Was, uh... <laughs> uh,
0: that's funny. That's cool, man. Well, Stuart, I again, greatly appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully you'll come back again. Um, is is Rick Hero available in the United States?
1: No, it's not yet. No, no. We're focusing on your I, 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 I will bring it into the, the U- U.S. Um but one of the reasons is our business is growing so much and we need to support it with our cash flow in existing markets. To go to the U.S., I really would need to manufacture it locally. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of big brands in the U.S. already, right? There's a lot of brands there. And you compete with a lot of celebrity brands there as well. And uh, we're, you know, Snoop Dogg and, uh, and, and these guys can just go on their phone and hit 50 million people. For me to do the same with a brand, but saying that uh, you know, I I I have got plans to do that, Uh, as well as going into medical. We're definitely bringing our houses and and insulation uh, business there. We're in talks just now, uh, within Washington about doing the Washington state to do start that, and then we want to roll them through America, whereby you put hemp industrial units in all different states. We've been to Alaska. I've been to. Where uh, we had the inquiries and just signed an agreement with uh, Hawaii you know where this, the shipping of, of building materials into Hawaii is just extraordinarily high so why, why not grow it locally and use everything locally and yeah. it, it gets people in local affordable housing so there's some great plans we have and I'm in, I'm in the States a lot and uh, yeah I love the States and uh, I love travelling through, they got a lot of good friends so I look forward to continuing business there
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining the, the Klein McKenzie podcast and hopefully you'll come back another time and uh, we can have a further discussion on whiskey and what Nessie has done to the water or not done to the water.
1: Right. I recommend that we put 10 whiskeys up and we drink one each and we carry on until the 10th and the interview finishes. Ah, that sounds that sounds well. great. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I did that at the golf course. I don't recommend <laughs> the one shot per hole. It gets very messy on the 10th. I'll oh, so. <laughs> All right, Stuart McKenzie, thanks again. Thanks, my pleasure.
0: Podcast is produced by Jared Smart and in association with the Clan Mackenzie Society of Scotland and the UK.